This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again. Marketing Geeks with Justin Womack from Camarillo. And Andrew Sturgeon from the Netherlands. And we're about to share with you the latest and the greatest in the world of marketing. And because we're geeks, we're probably going to talk about movies too. So, you know, sometimes we read in the reviews that we're not on topic. But you know what? Movie news is important too. Well, you know, it's like uh, movies Movies are, uh, they got to be marketed, That's right. right? There's a lot I of mean, marketing behind them. I mean, I mean. Really, in fact, uh, it's it's really interesting because I saw a movie the other day. Here's uh, uh, it was called The Darkest Minds, and they advertised it as like from the from the producers of Stranger Things, and it looked like this kind of edgy superhero movie. Um, but I hadn't seen any advertising uh, around it, and when you don't see advertising <laughs> around a movie or marketing red, around red a flag. movie, that's <laughs> That is a big red flag. Either the movie doesn't have the budget for it and it's an indie film and it's liable to win an Academy Award or stay away, folks. So (laughs) the studio gave up on it. (laughs) If it has a January release date, I guess that's changed a little bit, but it used to be if it had a January release date, it was like the trash of Hollywood that got released in January. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, first thing I want to do is I want to thank everyone who showed up for our LinkedIn Mastery Course webinar the other day, which was really, it was rocking. Everybody who uh, attended, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Justin is about to send out, we're, we're just getting the slides together to send out to everybody. So uh, you can have a, a, the course in your hand. And uh, if you are sad because you missed it, as you should be, then no worries, because we're going to do another webinar very soon. And that webinar is going to be slightly different, but it's going to be equally as awesome. What is that webinar going to be on, Mr. Wolbach? Well, it looks like our next webinar is going to be the one that I've been waiting for, the one that we've been building for, a webinar on webinars. But why do a webinar? What is the point of doing a webinar if you're a marketer? Well, he says, 
open-ended to get the answer from you. Funny you should ask that. That's a funny question to ask. No, webinars are... No, that's not a funny question. You know, you know what a funny question is? Why do you put bologna in your shoes? That's a funny question. That is true, my friend. That is true. No, what, you know what? Web, I mean, webinars are... Like when you used to read about people making money in their sleep or making money on the beach in Jamaica while they're doing their thing... Uh, a lot of that comes from the automation behind webinars. Now, I don't subscribe fully to the idea that you're going to be making passive income like that from webinars because they take a lot of work. You got to, I mean, they are something you can set and forget and they live forever if you do an evergreen style webinar, meaning that it's pre-recorded and made to look live. But again, there, there's a lot of work involved. So I'm not going to say it's a, it's easy way out by any means, but they, that they are powerful and, um, I think the so are we going to talk about this right now, Andres? You want me to give a few like softwares and go into detail? No, just you know what? Let's hold off because I actually I want to I want to cover some geek news before we get into that uh, because there, I, it's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting week for geek news and also before we get into webinars, uh, I went to the geek news and we have to do the sex robot report. <laughs> that's, that's very important. That's right. So uh, can't miss that. No, no. So first thing, I want to. I want you to give me the rundown of your favorite thing, which is probably no longer your favorite thing because it's not going to exist too much longer. Tell us about MoviePass, Justin. How'd that work yeah. out for you? Yeah. So what was that like? Two or three weeks ago, I talked about how MoviePass was like kind of an interesting business because um uh, the. What the only thing that they had going for them, which I was intrigued by, was they had all this data because they've had they have two or three million users at this point. Uh, that people are buying tickets, they're recording all these transactions, and they have this data that I thought would be pretty valuable to movie theaters. Um, it turns out that I was dead, 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 dead wrong. And since uh, since we had that conversation, MoviePass did something that's uh, if anyone in the stock market is familiar with this, they did a reverse stock split. So the stock was trading at about ten cents, and I put in uh, I put in about two hundred bucks and uh, bought about two thousand shares, and uh, the stock did a reverse split like immediately afterwards. It was like right around when I bought, which it was kind of surprising, uh, but it did a reverse split. So that what happened was it was a two hundred and fifty to one reverse split, meaning that my ten cent shares went up to uh, twenty five dollars, but I only had eight shares. So instead of two thousand shares at ten cents, it was uh, am I saying that right or yeah, I think I think or two hundred. So about two. Uh, so about twenty dollars per share. So let's say let's say that it was roughly twenty dollars per share after the uh, after the stock split. And uh, since the stock split, it has dropped uh, tremendously, and it's now dropped more than ninety nine percent of the value uh, is gone. So uh, if you've ever seen that South Park episode that came after the uh, <laughs> after the two thousand eight recession, where they were talking about, oh, I got your money here. We're putting it into a, different, a bunch of different funds, and uh, and it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it felt kind of like that. But the money, yeah, well, but now the stock, so after a 250 to 1 stock split, the stock is now trading lower than it was before the split. So it, it's at about $0.05 cents a share right now. But if you factor in the reverse split, that, that's a, its true value is a micro penny. I mean, we're we're under a penny. So, <laughs> so between between my investments in cryptocurrency and your investments in MoviePass, we could probably uh, go buy lunch. Yeah, we're 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 for, coming up with some serious some serious stock uh, some serious tax <laughs> write offs. 
or at least I, I am. I guess you're in the Netherlands. I don't know how your tax system works, but I got some tax write-offs so, and stock losses. <laughs> so, so I mean, this is just an interesting thing as a business owner because you know the thing is is that I'm sure they did the market research and they sure they did the numbers and they go, well, you know, the average person probably goes to the movies this amount of time, so we know if they paid this much. You know, they they found that magic sort of sweet spot for a number. But what they probably didn't expect is that people were going to really ramp up how much they went to the movies yes. by using this like you did, right? You were seeing like basically any pile of doo-doo. That, yeah, that I, I saw a few. I saw a few that I never would have seen without movie pass. There were a few movies that yeah. I definitely never would have paid for. Um, right, right. But so the, that's, the, big, that's a- the big problem with them was they, they basically did the gym membership model, right? The idea is you you sell more. I mean, if you think of a gym, gyms actually sell more memberships than they have capacity to fill. So uh, if everybody that had a gym membership showed up at the same time, there would be a fire hazard and they wouldn't even be able to run the gym. But they gyms know that people have the intention of wanting to work out, but not only a certain percentage of them actually fulfill on that. Now, part of that is because there's an inherent benefit in having a gym membership and that you want to be in better shape. You want this for yourself, but it's hard work. Now with MoviePass, it's it's the same concept, but not the same, not the same because the psychology of going to a movie is not hard. It's actually kind of relaxing for some people to go to a movie. So it's a, it's a different thing. And I think they banked on this idea that it would be like a gym membership and that just isn't the case. And uh, and I think the people that do abuse MoviePass were abusing it very effectively. Like they're going to like thirty movies a month, and you know if they're in if they're in a like a state like New York, tickets are like twenty dollars a piece, and they're paying ten dollars a month and getting thirty tickets at twenty dollars. You know, so that's yeah. a cash bleed. Well, uh, someone should have figured that one out. And uh, I don't know anything about the investors. That'd be an interesting story to cover. Um, you know, and maybe we can uh, uh, do some research on that and talk about like, you know, why startups fail. Uh, There's, you know, in the coming episodes, we're going to have some different guests on and we are looking at uh, having some people who are writers and uh, movie makers because we, you know, we want to get more into not just marketing for business, but also like entertainment marketing. How does that work? How does that apply to other things? So I'm I'm interested in this stuff. So we'll put a pin in this, but it's definitely something uh, that we will revisit but in huge geek news, this is my favorite geek news of the week. Patrick Stewart is coming back as Jean-Luc Picard. That, that, my friend, is news. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Star Trek The Next Generation? You know, I got to tell you, I, I was never a fan of Star Trek. And partly because, even though my dad wrote it, uh, I was always a Star Wars fan until uh, Disney bought it. But I, I, uh, I, I... I I had trouble with Star Trek because they had this sort of the reset thing where, uh, you know, in the 80s, 70s and 80s and early 90s, whenever there was a TV show, there would always be like this reset at the end of every episode where uh, there was no big cliffhangers, nobody changed anything. And that's because, you know, before DVDs, before uh, TiVos, you people would just miss an episode of something and then they if they did then they were lost on the plot so they thought that that wasn't a good idea that wasn't until the sopranos came along that these episodic kind of season length stories really came into play that people could really watch an entire season so i i never liked the fact that um nothing really moved in the star trek universe it just kind of always stayed the same I think now that the sensibilities of storytelling has changed with the advent of this stuff, um, I think that that having a Patrick Stewart 
captain again and having a, a, a long Star Trek story is going to be badass. So I'm, I'm, and, and, and quite truthfully, we need a leader like Jean-Luc Picard to, <laughs> you know, I mean, if we, if, if our leaders are failing us globally, then the least we can do is have a fake one that we like. Bring back Jean-Luc Picard. I love it. Yeah. So Why don't you uh, we'll, share with the listeners, uh, I mean, because you do have a family connection to Star Trek that, that you, know, you haven't shared. You haven't shared it with our listeners yet. They, they wanted, our listeners want to know your connection to Star Trek. Yeah. So, so my father uh, was, uh, some, some people may know this, uh, at least three of our seven listeners, I think, know this, that uh, my father was a science fiction writer by the name of Theodore Sturgeon. And Theodore Sturgeon wrote some of the original episodes of Star Trek, including shore leave that's the one where they go to the planet where whatever they think of comes true which is which is a funny episode because you know captain kirk who is a notorious womanizer goes to this planet where whatever you think of comes true right and what happens during the entire episode he thinks about some young kid that he used to fight in a uh uh when he was in his youth and so he spends the entire episode chasing around this young guy so he could fist fight with him if that doesn't say latent homosexuality, I don't know what does. Hey, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying that I think that Kirk and Spock had a very special relationship. Not everything was seen on the sh- on the episodes. And that's cool. Whatever. I mean, you know, that's it's a, these are complex characters. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do know if I went to a planet where whatever I thought of came true, I know exactly what I would think of. And, uh, what what, what's the what's the true claim to fame that your your father did for Star Trek? Because there, there's the, one thing I do want you to the really true the, the big thing that he was known for is that he was the guy who wrote the script uh, uh, called Shore Leave, and that's uh, Shore Leave is where they uh, Kirk and Spock must fight to the death over the Vulcan princess. You know, you know, they fight, and, which was recreated in the Cable Guy with Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick fighting at medieval time. That's right. One of your favorite movies. But uh, but my dad was the guy who wrote the script where they first said live long and prosper for the first time. So that was that was his big claim to fame. And so uh, I do have geek blood in me uh, thoroughly. That is why we are the marketing geeks. But I'm, I'm certified. And so uh, I, I, I have a real soft spot for Star Trek, but especially uh, Jean-Luc Picard and Patrick Stewart's a great guy, too. He's just a, like a really I met him. He's really a cool dude. So uh, is, he, is he knighted? He's knighted too, right? He's a British knight. Is that I be- correct? I believe. I believe he is. If so. he's not, he should because it just sounds good, Sir Patrick Stewart. It just, it just I, I'm pretty name. sure he's a sir, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you know who his best friend is? Who's that? Ian McKellen. Ah, Ian McKellen. Okay. Yeah. So Gandalf and 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 uh, Jean Luc Picard like or, hang out or, together. Or uh, Professor X and Magneto. Professor X and Magneto, yeah, they're, right, from the they're, original. They, they were both. That, yeah. uh, that was that was Ian McKellen, right? They played Magneto in the original. That that is that is correct. Yeah, that I is correct. So, yeah, so yeah. Pre- pretty badass. Uh, other movie news. Uh, uh, Elba, Elbo, my Idris, Idris, Idris Elbo, Idris, Idris Elba, Idris Elba. The Idris Elba is uh, gatekeeper in Thor. I don't remember. Was oh, Heimlich? That's right, Heimlich. Heimlich. That's right. Uh, um, and he's up for the new James Bond after uh, after this James Bond. After Daniel Craig. 
after Daniel Craig. Now, does that I, mean, uh, is Daniel Craig, uh, I think they're, they're doing another Daniel Craig movie though, right? Is that? Oh yeah. Uh, he was contracted for five. This is his last one. And okay. uh, it's funny at the end of every one, he's like, I'm never going to do another one of these. And I'm sure they just write him another zero at the end of the check. The last one. Like, okay, the last, I'll do it now. The last Bond movie he did, he said he'd rather slit his wrist than do another Bond movie. That was his direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you're probably right. They probably just slid an extra zero there, and he's like, yeah, well, I changed my mind. Sure, yeah. That's exactly. a good negotiating <laughs> tactic right there, people. <laughs> Apparently. But, but the question is, is it time for a Black James Bond? And uh, I say, yes, absolutely. Why does James Bond have to be white? Why, why is there a, a race attached to James Bond? I also feel that James Bond needs a reboot because James Bond is a character that was a relic of the Cold War, which we are definitely not having anymore. I guess that's over because uh, uh, Russia won, right? Isn't that the <laughs> that now? Uh, so so uh, I, I, I find that very interesting and I'd like love to find out what, uh, what everybody thinks of that. So uh, please leave a comment and let us know what you think. Of- I'm on board. I've, I mean, we've we've seen everything else already. So if they want to keep the story fresh and keep the character fresh, I'm on board. I think it's a. I think at this point, it makes sense. It's uh, it'll probably it'll bring in a different audience. Um, or so I think it, it's from a box office standpoint, from a. Uh, keeping it fresh standpoint from an entertainment standpoint, I, I'm on board. I think it's a good idea. And he's got the charisma. I mean, oh, he's look, great. I, I like, yeah, I'm a big Idris Elba fan too. So. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's always the, this is the test, right? It is it, whenever everybody says, would this guy make a good James Bond? Okay. You got Idris Elba, right? You've got Daniel Craig. You've got Timothy Dalton. You've got Roger Moore, right? These four men walk into the, a room Who's more likely to kill you? So the which options did you give me? You give me four. There did you give yeah, Sean Connery there? Uh, no, Sean Connery. You can't. I mean, Sean Connery is the king. You can't. You know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Sean Connery is going to kill me. You got um, to move him, remove him completely. He he is Bond, but um, so so say it again. So you had Roger Moore. Um, Ro- you gave Timothy Dalton. Roger Moore, who, Timothy Dalton, right? You've got uh, Idris Elba. You got Daniel Craig. Who's more likely to kill you? Yeah, in cold blood. Well, it'd definitely be either Daniel Craig or Idris Elba, one of those two. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so – Because like Tim, yeah, Roger Moore was just too nice. I think he was yeah. too nice of Bond. Yeah, I think so. And and uh, let's 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 uh, you know it's I, so I don't know. I mean, like it's going to be interesting. I I personally I think that James Bond should be retired altogether because it's just it's he's kind of it's, like a, a two dimensional character. And when I say that, I don't mean that. It's like on the one hand, he's like proper, like you know, lounge hey, lizard. If they, if they can make seven or eight or nine Fast and the Furious movies, they can make thirty-five James Bond movies. I mean, this if you is... could pull, if you could stretch Fast and the Furious to what they've done, then James Bond can live for another fifty years. All right. Yeah. But they, but they can also, you know, what else they can make is they can make it's all about family. family. It's all yeah, about they can family. also make nine Die Hard films, which brings us to the next story: Die Hard. Year one. I want to like, first of all, Die Hard Year One is going into production, right? Here's the question I want to know. Was it the first Die Hard, technically Die Hard Year One? Was it like that? Yeah. I mean, he was, how old was he in that movie? He's probably like early 30s, right? Yeah. 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 He was still on Moonlighting. You know, he had hair back in the day. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that was kind of when he became John McClane. That was already an origin story. So, I don't know. (laughs) 
how like what is year one? I mean, is he going to be a baby? Is he like is that's you know is that John McClane? No, he was one years old. <laughs> that's the true year one story. Uh, 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 you know. It, Here's a here's a here's a funny story. When when uh when, this is true, I was working in uh for Oliver Stone for a while, and uh, at that time, Die Hard had been a few years old, and they 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 uh the big uh kind of uh, uh, genre du jour was the Die Hard film. So everybody was trying to one up the Die Hard genre. So it's like, like you know, oh, this is Die Hard on the train, and I got to hear all of these these pitches. This is Die Hard on a train. This is Die Hard on a school bus. This is Die Hard on an airplane, and all of these movies eventually came out. We saw a Die Hard on an airplane. We saw a Die Hard on a train. Speed. Uh, we saw the Speed was Die Hard, in, in a, it was on a bus. Under Siege, Die Hard on a was it a submarine or a battleship? Die Hard on a battleship, and then Under Siege Two was Die Hard on a train, and then uh, and then during some of these pitch meetings, someone came in and said, "This is going to be really great. It's kind of like Die Hard in a building." I was like, "Uh." Brilliant, guys. And this, my friends, is why Hollywood sucks. In fact, you, you heard about this new thing, right? That they're they're uh, now entering a new category into the best right. uh, picture. Yeah, which is best popular film. <laughs> and, right. uh, and I like that. Uh, it was basically a category created to give Black Panther an Oscar. That's right. Because you couldn't give Black Panther an Oscar because, God forbid, you give a movie that big and that awesome an Oscar. So they had to create a whole new thing, but you know what it is, is again, this is a marketing thing because uh, last year the Oscars were at its lowest peak, less people tuned into the Oscars than any other time. So they had to figure out a way to generate more interest. And so the, you know, nobody watches the best picture films, nobody, but uh, if, uh, if you have Mission yeah, Impossible. Especially recently. Yeah. But if you have Mission Impossible and Star Wars and Black Panther all vying for. And, and a, Infinity uh, War probably. It'll probably be like Infinity War, Black Panther, Mission Impossible apparently is good. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. A lot of those movies will be nominated for sure. Now, I heard an interesting thing. Tom Cruise might get an Oscar. He might actually get an Oscar now. Nah, I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, unless uh, who knows? I'm not going to say anything else. That's all. But uh, but I, I will I will uh, I did read something very interesting, which is uh, so you know how James Gunn got fired, right? Yeah, yep. from uh, from doing that, and the entire cast is like really upset. They're very very upset for uh, doing uh, the uh, the volume. Yeah, Dave three. Uh, Dave Batista, who plays uh, Drax the Destroyer, said that if they don't use James Gunn's script, that he will be asked he will ask to opt out of his contract. So yeah. at the very least, he's 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 stated that he's his intention is to leave the project if they if they abandon James Gunn's script now. So he'll do so the project if they replace him, but they won't if they abandon the script. So here's an interesting theory. Okay, what if Disney says, you know what, we're going to get rid of the entire cast. We're going to get rid of everybody. We're just basically not going to. We're going to reboot Guardians of the Galaxy because they already teased a new Guardians of the Galaxy with Sylvester Stallone leading. The group, but, right? Uh, but he can't lead a movie. Sylvester Stallone cannot lead a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It doesn't work. What are you talking about? So, uh, <laughs> he didn't so, even belong. It was like hard enough to watch him in his few scenes in that movie. He's okay as Rocky. True. He's okay as Rambo. 
but that's about it. And he wrote those characters. But it doesn't matter because everybody's going to see it anyway. I mean, everyone would see it anyway. So I, I'm just saying rather rather than like have to deal with like making a movie that fans are going to hate because James Gunn is not doing it anymore and uh, the, you know, the, 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 the publicity tour, you know, the marketing that they're going to do around it is going to have a cast of people that is going to talk about how sucky it was to not have James Gunn. And, and they're up against all of this, right? Why not just reboot the entire thing and just say, okay, we're starting with this whole new group and anybody who wants to come from the old film will let you out of your contracts. But if you want to come into this film, uh, Star Lord, if you want to do that, you can, uh, otherwise goodbye and we'll just reboot uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And the reason why this may work is because it would also get fans used to the idea of having the same, this, the, basically the story continuing with a new character, right? Because they're going to have to, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to get a new Iron Man? Are they going to get a new Thor? I mean, in the comic books, they, they get new people to play these characters. So they're going to have to do that for phase four of the uh, uh, cinematic universe. So uh, it, it wouldn't it make sense for them to just try this out and go, all right, we're just going to cut our losses and reboot. Um, I think that would be an interesting concept. The best thing that Disney could do is just go back on their word and just say, you know what? We're hiring James Gunn back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alt-right activists. We're, you know, going to just, we're just going to move forward and make Guardians of the Galaxy 3 like we intended. Yeah, so, I don't. Uh, I don't think. It, I don't think it would hurt. Like honestly, there'd be. I'm sure there'll be some people that get mad if they rehired James Gunn. But I, I think the backlash would be really tiny, and it'd be the um, the positive press on that would be better. Would be better. I don't think it would hurt Disney to bring him back. For no, no. I mean, what? Because the guy told some off-colored pedophile well, jokes. Yeah, I he, mean, he was obviously just. A, I mean, if you look at even if you look at his past movies, he just has a dark sense of humor. That's just who he is. Or he used to. I mean, yeah. and he's kind of cleaned it up a bit. But it's. Uh, it was. Yeah, they were off-color jokes. So I. I yeah, I, I. I don't. I think he was wrongly fired to begin with because. Um, he, they weren't serious. If you take him at his word, if you were to take his tweets literally, I could understand why you would fire the guy. But like, I don't take them literally because it was pretty clearly made as like a dark humor. Yeah, and, and the only thing that it showed was not that he's a pedophile or he condones it. It just shows that he's a poopy comedian. <laughs> I mean, really, that's that's it. So bring back James Gunn and make all of this go away because I really doubt your box office is going to be hurt at all by bringing back James Gunn. In fact, if anything, more people are going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. You'll make more money, Disney. So uh, if, if any of you people connected to anyone at Disney, please so tell this, them that. And this whole, um, this whole intro segment that we're doing right now, this is why we call this show marketing geeks and not just like marketing people because we geek out, <laughs> over, <laughs> we we geek out over all this, uh, all this movie news, superhero news. This is exactly. like, these are our passions. And, and, and again, some of this stuff, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about ideas for movies here. So some of this could actually fit into the marketing subcategory, right? Well, and, and speaking of marketing, uh, last thing I want to hit on is the new Venom trailer uh, because some Venom news came out. Now, if you haven't, first of all, uh, as far as the look of Venom and like the way that they're doing it, it looks pretty awesome, right? Aside from the closer, look. A lot closer to the yeah. comic books than, uh, than before. Yeah, exactly. Not uh, you're not you're not casting Topher Grace. You're casting um, Tom Hardy. Much better, much better casting. 
But the thing is, is that Venom is a character that also kind of relies on Spider-Man. So I don't, I don't know, like, and then if you've seen this last preview, it doesn't look super awesome. It looks okay. And number three, what's the biggest, what's the biggest drawback to this film? The biggest. You mentioned it. I already forgot what I said. It's it's the rating. The the way that they're going to market it. Well, they pitched it. They pitched it originally like this was the answer to this was Sony's answer to Deadpool. So they were going to make uh, they were going to make some R-rated superhero movies, but they don't have superhero licenses so much. They have the super villains. So the idea was to create like an R-rated Venom movie that was going to be. Um, it was intriguing. That's an intriguing idea. Okay, well, this is going to be R-rated. right because Venom is a, is a terrifying. So if basically, if you make a horror f- supervillain film, like make a horror movie. That would be awesome. But if you go for a PG-13 rating to get the kids, so the kids will come in there. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, uh, kids are going to go see an R-rated film no matter what. Yeah. I have kids in my house and they're going to they're just going to see it. But, uh, but if you dumb it down so you think you can get more people in the theater, not as many people are going to see it. It's, it's, I, I don't think that was a good idea. And time and time again, you know, we have seen that when people do that, it doesn't really work. So I, I am, I do not have high hopes for Venom. All right. So uh, I think it's time to get back into our topic of the week. So, um, or, or do you want to do your report first before we get into the webinar? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think uh, before we do that, we need to get into, it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for the sex robot report. Oh uh, yeah. You know it. Sex robots. All right. <laughs> so it looks like uh, earlier this year, there was a uh, UK sex robot brothel that opened uh, in, in really? UK. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, which is, which is rather weird. But I guess uh, there is a market enough for that, that people uh, would go visit a sex robot brothel. Now, I, I just, I just, I'm trying to figure out, is that like, would you go to a sex robot brothel because that's a kink or do you just, you're afraid of real women or you, you just, you're, you don't want to condone the industry. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know have what the, the answer yet. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have the answer. And how sanitary is that? I mean, is it, is it like, I don't know if I'd really want to have sex with a sex robot that someone else just had sex with. Yeah. It's kind of weird. You, yeah. What do you use for that? Is that like bleach? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you boil the sex robot? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have an answer to this, but I do know there must be a market for it. We want to hear they, from uh, you. You tell us how they would handle this. <laughs> how do you sanitize a sex robot? I just don't even know. Uh, but, uh, but they, there is a company that is opening up a new sex doll brothel in Paris. You and know, uh, the craziest thing about all this, Andres, is that yeah, this segment, which to me kind of started as a joke, is is really getting into mainstream news right now. <laughs> and this uh, this industry is probably going to be a big industry, and it's it's kind of terrifying for our our future as a uh, species. But um, but I mean, it's also very uh, gratifying for you because you've wanted this for you know for a long time, and it's coming true. I have wanted a sex robot for a long, long time. But the question is, question is, and this is this is the question. If, if you go to a brothel to have sex with a sex robot, is that cheating if you're married? 
I don't know. What if, okay, the, then the question is, if the answer is no, what if, what if there's like AI that is like responding to you? Okay. Mm. And the answer is no. What if someone else is controlling the sex robot from another location? Does that? Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> Uh, and I would say all of that is no, that is not cheating, unless you start messaging the uh, the sex robot privately on Facebook. Then, 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 then you're in some hot water. Emotional... Then you're in some hot water there. Yeah. So uh, anyway, in London, you uh, you could have sex with a sex robot for 50, uh, 50 pounds, which is about uh, maybe 55 bucks. And uh, two hours will cost you about 130. So if you want two hours with a sex robot, like what? What? What do you do after the first like thirty minutes? I mean, you just how so much, tell me how about much you. does it cost to clean those things? Because it has to be less than uh, it has to be less than fifty five dollars. <laughs> well, well, the question is, is like, what if you're the type of person that not only has a kink about having sex with sex robots, but you also have a kink about having sex with a sex robot that someone else just had sex with? Well, like, then what if that's your thing? Then you're a very profitable client. <laughs> uh, but but do you, but the question is, do you get a discount or do you have to pay extra? That's a that's a good point. It depends. Uh, yeah, depends I don't the have the answer to any of this. Depends right? on the market. Anyway, testing. We got to test that market out. So uh, anyway, and that concludes the sex robot report for this week. Thank you, everybody. All right. So All right, on to the meat meat of the show, which is webinars. Are they good for you? What do you use them for? Why would you use a webinar? Uh, and we have put on webinars, we've taught classes on webinars, but webinars are very specific for very specific things. And it's a, it's a, it's a type of marketing that you can do. And it has several different, uh, ways that you can leverage the knowledge that you have. Uh, Justin, what, tell me, tell me a little bit about your experience with webinars and, and, uh, well- to me, the number one use of a webinar is to treat it like you would a live event. So if, you, if you're familiar with like the seminar model um, or live events to, to make money in your business, the idea is that you have basically you have a, a funnel, like a sales funnel, where the, the live event is kind of your entry point into the funnel. And then from the live event, you're going to sell a bigger package, but not before. You're going to give everyone that attended the live event should receive a tremendous amount of value first. They should learn something. And at the end of that, you should be making an offer into a bigger, into some kind of other program, some kind of private coaching or some kind of a, a bigger program at the end. And so you're, you're adapting the live event model and you're bringing it online. And the, the advantage, the big advantage of a webinar is that uh, people don't have to travel. So if it's a, if you are a, if you're running this live event model, you can get people from all over the world into your webinars without them having to travel. Um, the other thing is if you're if you're a consulting uh, if you're like a consulting firm or or someone like that you can you could treat you could treat webinars and do basically consultation or training events uh, for mul- for multiple people all over the planet at the same time again instead of having for companies to have to pay to send their people to a specific location and pay for their uh, their airfare and their room and board they can attend a virtual training that uh, that you can charge for. So there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great uses for webinars, and then we get into the idea that there are you can have a webinar that's live, you can have a webinar that's pre-recorded and made to look live, and those are again called evergreen webinars. Which uh, evergreen content means that it's timeless, essentially can be reused over and over again. So you actually hear things like evergreen blog posts, which are posts that are just don't 
reference current events and their uh, their posts that can be like, if it's just basic marketing knowledge, it could be repurposed and released once a year, something like that. So the, the oh, go ahead, Andres. Oh, so, so basically what I was going to ask is like, what, give us an example of like, well, I could give an example. So let's say that you are selling a uh, left nostril inhaler, right? You have a, uh, a, a left nostril inhaler with a, like a green crank and you want to show people the benefits of your left nostril inhaler. So uh, the first thing that you would do is you would probably go on either Facebook or maybe LinkedIn. Well, what I would do first off is I would clog their right nostril and I'd say, try to breathe. Mm. And then, uh, and then it, and then I'd be like, you want this left nostril inhaler now? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Establish uh, the need. Establish the need. Establish the need. And then you also have to uh, <laughs> hit some pain points. But basically, you create a, some advertising around that particular product on Facebook. So as you're going through your Facebook feed or maybe Google or whatever, uh, something may come up where if it's like, oh, do you have trouble breathing out of your left nostril? Well, try uh, we have five tips that will help you with this free webinar. So basically you provide a piece of information or a service, uh, oriented sort of thing where you're basically giving away free information and that's yeah. the lead. So, so once you get people in there and they sign up for that, well, the next step is, well, the, the model that I, that I've used with a lot of clients is this. So we actually would have an ad, like what you're saying with the five tips or whatever it is, um, but it wouldn't be, I wouldn't advertise the webinar as the first lead-in. Uh, the lead-in would be like, get this PDF document with these five tips. And when they download the PDF document, then the thank you page would turn into a, like a webinar upsell page, basically. It'd still be free to attend, but it would, I would call it an upsell because it's the next, um, it's the next buy-in in the funnel. So they accepted the free PDF document. They go to the thank you page. And now it's like a video that says, now that you've downloaded this, your PDF document will show up in your inbox in the next five minutes. But before that, let me tell you about this awesome free training that I'm going to be hosting that will be live where we go in detail for 45 minutes on this subject. You're going to learn this, this, and this. It's going to be fantastic. We're limited to only 100 people that can show up, even though it's a webinar and you could really host as many people as you want. But they're going to tell you it's limited to 100 people, and uh, which is scarcity. We talk a lot about scarcity here. And, and then at the bottom, it'll say, you know, register for the free training. So uh, that could be, again, that could be a live training that you have on a set date and time, or it could be what's called the evergreen training. And if it's an evergreen training, uh, then you have set periods of time that your training takes place. So it's made to look like it's live. So like, for instance, I could have an evergreen training that's available at 2 p.m. every single day. Or I could have one that's like 10 a.m., 2 p.m., or 5 p.m., so like three versions, and they can uh, they can select whichever one they want. And at that time, uh, they can they attend the webinar. I can also create things like uh, triggers that are so basically. There's always a webinar that's going to show up in the next 15 minutes. So if I if I went on the webinar at 3:05 p.m., it'll say the next webinar starts at 3:15 p.m. You're so lucky that you got here just in time for that webinar. So if you've ever noticed that like there's a webinar just about to start, there's a feature that allows you to have this it's called a just in time uh, webinar. And you could set it at every 15 minute interval or every 30 minute interval. And that was that was named after you, right? It was just in time. Yes, yes, that was named after me because I am the king <laughs> so- of webinars. That's right. And, and, uh, and also when you, they, they also have a feature with that if you go in there kind of at the last minute, you'll see that the room is packed and that's well, they not have, quite they accurate, have, right? 
well, the feature that they have it for evergreen only, this is for evergreen webinars. And the software that I use is called ever webinar. Uh, and I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. You could check it out. Actually, I'll put a link where you could get a, a 60 day free trial for ever webinar. It's an affiliate link. So if you use that link, I would get credit. I won't make any money unless you buy it after 60 days, but you're welcome to try it out for 60 days. I do think they make you put down a credit card, but they don't charge you, uh, or they might charge you $1, uh, but then they won't charge you if you cancel within that 60 day period, any more than that. So I forget if it's a dollar or if it's free, but it's a, it's a pretty good deal. And uh, what they have though, is they have the ability that you could set the number of attendees that appear in the room. So if I wanted to, I could make it look like there's 2,000 people in the room and there might be just like one live person there. So I can, I, I, they have a feature that's called throttling attendance. So I pick a number and basically the system will throttle around that number. So if I, if I picked like uh, 90, let's say I just picked 90, then the, then the attendance, if you were looking at it in the webinar, it would, it would throttle between like 75 and 100 basically probably or 105, something like that. So it would, it would throttle the, uh, it would throttle the number so it looks like there's people in the room. It looks like there's uh, everything's there. And then the chat. So the chat is fully controllable by me. So I can, um, I can insert comments at any point during the webinar. I just select the time in the presentation that I want this, this comment to appear, and then it appears there. So everything can be manipulated to look live or, um, or created to look live. That's amazing. Uh, and so, so at that point, what you're doing, and so just, just to recap, there's a couple of steps here. You get people interested. First, you market a free white paper, right? You're giving away some steps. You give that away. You get people to sign up. You, you now capture their email, right? So you can also send them another email saying, hey, we're doing a webinar this week on this. Uh, and then once they get the uh, the white paper, then you sign them up for the webinar. And then in the webinar, you give away some information. And at the end of that webinar, then what happens? So at the end of the webinar, you make your offer. So uh, webinars by design, if you're giving them away for free, they, sh they should by design have an offer at the end because um, if you're a business owner, at the end of the day, you're creating customers. So it doesn't, you don't have to have a high-end offer. You can have a high-end offer. Uh, I think in 2014, for instance, about about four years ago, a lot of people were doing webinars and making $1,000 offers at the end of them or $997, $999, something in that range. And they were having a lot of success with it. Uh, in 2018, that doesn't fly as well anymore. But they, there are people that are having a lot of success with two different models, either a lower entry point offer, like a one to $200 offer, or what they're doing is at the end of the webinar, they're making an offer to a strategy session call. So at the end of the webinar, after you've learned all of this, the, the call to action is now that you've watched this webinar, I want you to schedule a block of time on my calendar. And I want to sit down and have a conversation with you uh, about how you're going to use this in your business. And those strategy session calls, quote unquote, are, are really sales conversations. Um, so generally speaking, because I've uh, done a lot of training around this, uh, a strategy session call is probably about if it's an hour long, probably about 20 minutes of content, just kind of going through and actually answering the person's questions and about 40 minutes of qualifying and, uh, and sale and making an offer and building up, uh, building up prestige in, in the sales call. So it's, uh, yeah, and that's, a, but that's an effective model. It's working for a lot of people right now is the, uh, is the free webinar and then the offer to the strategy session call, but you have to have a system for running those strategy session calls and getting a decent conversion. So if you're not 
If you don't know how to do a strategy session effectively, then that's probably not a great model for you. But if you have a system for enrolling, you know, high paying clients, then it can be very, very effective. So let's let's break this down into like a real world, world scenario. So give me an example of like a client that you have had where this has worked for. So I, I would go into uh, business coaching. So I, I worked for um, a client that would give away. I can't remember that his lead, his specific lead magnet was something along the lines of like how to pack your seminar room or something like that it was the initial PDF document or something to that nature. You opt in, you get the free PDF document, how to fill, how to pack your seminar room. Um, the next, the next phase there is, okay, now that you've got the document in the next five minutes, that'll show up in your inbox. But in the meantime, I want to tell you about this training that I'm doing where I'm actually going to show you how to run an effective seminar um, how to put it together and give you the meat of everything. And so they, they get people to enroll into that training. And at the end of, uh, at the end of that training, the offer is, okay, let's have a one-on-one strategy session call to discuss how we can implement this in your business. And from there, somebody comes on the strategy session call and they get enrolled into uh, a minimum of a $1,000 offer somewhere in the one to $5,000 range is typical uh, for these uh, seminar and coaching uh, practitioners, especially in the Southern California area. And so, yeah, so you're being you're being put into a a coaching funnel for a high end coaching program. But I'm not going to give like so, specific names or anything like that. But uh, that's that's no, the, but, the nutshell. But, yeah. But then, so so how effective was this generally? Because you said that you can set it and forget it, and so you basically put this thing on autopilot. Um, well, what kind of return, like if you're doing this thing on a regular basis, what kind of return do you get for something like that? So, I mean, the thing is by doing it the way I'm talking about, you're going to have more live touch points because you're required to then host those calls. So you actually are investing a fair amount of time. If you do a set and forget it kind of thing, the conversions uh-huh. are really low. So on an evergreen webinar, if you're doing a set it and forget it model and you're making an offer for like $500 or 200 or maybe even a thousand dollars at the end, you're going to get low conversions. However, Low conversions that are fully automated can still be pretty profitable because it doesn't take any of your time. So if you're able to dial it in, like an excellent, excellent webinar presentation would probably get like a 2% conversion. And, uh, and that would be fantastic, especially if you're making like a $1,000 paid offer uh, because that'll offset your traffic cost. And if you think about customers in terms of lifetime value, uh, there might be there should be um, even a bigger back end than the initial sale. So when we when we think about customers in, in in marketing, you should always be thinking about okay, what's not just what's the value of this them buying my webinar offer, but what's the value of what's the average value over the course of a life of a client in my business, and uh, if there because generally speaking, even if it's a thousand dollar offer, there's probably a back end that's even higher than that, and that's kind of uh-huh. the industries that I've worked in because I've worked in you know high end coaching industries where people are charging a hundred thousand dollars a year for coaching, uh, sometimes even more these days. And uh, so these are, yeah, these are very, very high-end programs. And that's just the, you know, that's like the third cog in a, in a bigger wheel. So. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, overall, I mean, this, this is a type of industry also that you really wouldn't want to do it for, I mean, coaching is a good one, Uh, you know, especially if it's a, uh, um, you're doing like, like, coaching services for business or, or that sort of thing. But what if I have a business that's like more of a product? Uh, how, how would that work for me? Well, it I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking like, SA, like a SaaS product, for instance, then I think a webinar can work really well as like a demo. So instead of doing a live demo presentation for your SaaS product, meaning software as a service, if you don't know SaaS acronym. 
So that's software like any software that's on a subscription. Yeah, any software on a subscription model would be considered a, a SaaS product. Uh, I, I would use the webinar as in place of having my live team members do the demo. So you could do it that way. And then at the end of that, um, you could make, again, you could do the strategy session offer where it's, where you could either, you could either make the offer for the software at the end with a special value. So it's like, okay, normally if you enroll in the software, it's a hundred dollars a month. But if you take us up on this webinar offer, you'll get the first year for, you know, 30% off or something like that. Uh, so you could do it that way because, and you reward the people that stayed till the end of the webinar, or you could just, uh, again, automate the demo process and then uh, and then at the end of it schedule sales conversations with the actuals between the sales agents and the clients after the webinar has done the demo work for them so you're you're leveraging the time of your salespeople that way instead of making them take every client through the demo process and if it's if it's done effectively that can be great if uh, if the if the webinar is no good then that's probably going to hurt sales overall so it, it's all a matter of how effective and engaging is the webinar presentation, how dynamic is the speaker, how, uh, how good at sales are they, how uh, many psychological techniques are employed during the webinar that are going to actually make this person want to buy. So if it's, if it's done correctly and the research is done in advance, they can be very, very powerful. Hmm. Interesting. And, and, and give us an idea of like what we need to run a webinar. Like what kind of, what do you, like you've done a lot of them. You've gone through a whole gamut of different systems. What systems in your mind work best? Um, I mean, there's a couple because these days you can kind of run close to webinars without, without like the full webinar software. Like if you use zoom, for instance, like what we, you can get a regular zoom account for $15 a month, that'll let you do unlimited phone calls with up to a hundred people in the room and you can do a screen share. And it's not the full webinar environment because uh, if you attended our webinar, we actually use the Zoom webinar feature, which is the which is the true webinar environment. But if you just use the regular Zoom feature, you could pretty much pull off a webinar doing that. So that's like the low end budget is I would probably just run a regular Zoom call. I'd pay the $15 so that I could have the webinar longer than 40 minutes. If you don't pay the fifteen dollars, you, you're limited at forty minute calls. Um, and just so you know, Zoom is a is a uh, a video conferencing service, much like Skype, except it has a lot more features. You can uh, control other people's computers. You can do screen share. You can do that on Skype too. But uh, it's it's a lot easier to run if 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 you ever need to do video conferencing. Zoom is probably the best software out yeah. there. So they have the webinar feature too, which is an add-on. And we had that uh, enabled when we did the webinar this last week. Uh, and a couple of the benefits of that are if you have the webinar software, you are capable of simulcasting on Facebook Live or on YouTube Live. You could simulcast on one of those two platforms. You can also um, then do like Q&As. So the, people, the guests are able to ask questions and you have more control over... Um, over kind of muting your audience, it's a lot easier to kind of handle the audience when it's on a webinar and not everybody's screen is shared. Like if you do a uh, if you do a Zoom call and you have 100 people in the room, everybody that has a webcam, their screen will show up there and it'll probably eat up a lot of bandwidth as well. So uh, the webinar software is preferred in those cases. And if you're filling a room with a uh, with 100 people regularly, you really it shouldn't be an issue to afford a decent webinar platform. Uh, the other softwares that I like to use are the Webinar Jam and EverWebinar uh, family of softwares. So the Webinar Jam is uh, is basically a, a pretty solid platform for live webinars only. So uh, I like to use that one, and that's uh, that's for live webinars. Uh, with Webinar Jam, you can also simulcast uh, your webinars on Facebook Live or YouTube Live. 
And for the Evergreen webinars, the um, Webinar Jam owns a company called Ever Webinar. So it's a separate product, same family of products, but a separate product. And that would be for the ones that are pre-recorded and made to look live. So you don't need to have both softwares. But if you want to do live webinars, you'd want Webinar Jam or Zoom or Zoom Webinar. And if you want to do pre-recorded ones, then you'd want something like Ever Webinar. And they, uh, price-wise, I think Zoom is about $50 a month if you pay for their webinar service. Um, Ever Webinar is, I want to say, $397-ish per year. So you pay about $400 a year. It might be $500 these days. I don't know. I might be grandfathered in. And some some people got this for years ago in a lifetime license, I believe. And Webinar Jam is around the same, I think, four to $500 a year. So, um, and you can do monthly options. The monthly options will be slightly higher uh, than if you pay the year in advance. But those are the, the softwares that you would need to put this together. If you're going to build the funnel that we talked about, then you'd also need like a landing page software like ClickFunnels or something um, of that nature to build out the landing page and the thank you page and the, and the videos. And the, so it gets, it gets deeper and deeper as you go along. Um, with any of these, if you're doing pre-recorded webinars, you got to host your videos somewhere too. So you could host them on YouTube. You could host them on Vimeo. You could host them on Amazon S3. There's a number of different sources to host your actual, um, webinar videos. I would recommend hosting on Amazon S3 if you're doing a pre-recorded webinar. And, uh, and that's because it, it'll be unbranded and it's better protected in my, in my opinion than, uh, than YouTube or Vimeo. Now, uh, the the one thing that you haven't talked about, and this is something that I think is very, very important, which is when you do a webinar, you you can't just get up there and just talk. You've got to have a certain structure. And the structure around a webinar- You can, you can but you won't, you won't sell very well if you do that. Right, right. <laughs> um, uh, but, but this is where storytelling becomes a really big thing. And the structure within webinars- has to really start with, um, and this is a whole thing, and, and when we do our webinar on webinars, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there's, like, there's really a system that, that takes place. And it, and it start, uh, one of the ways that I've been taught, if you, I mean, if you're really doing a true sales webinar, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, we did make an offer at the end of our, of our webinar that we did. Uh, it was a very small offer, and it was kind of spur of the moment. It wasn't something that was like super high planned and it was, it was, uh, it was low cost, but the, uh, the way that if this is truly structured in the way that a sales webinar is, is supposed to be structured, it should start with some kind of pattern interrupt is the first element that I would include in a webinar. And so when I say pattern interrupt, um, most people kind of get into a certain trance, like if they get into like a student state and they kind of just get their pencil ready and start taking notes. But if you can interrupt their pattern right off the bat and kind of break their, uh, that little trance that can get them into a more, uh, attentive state and, and listening better. So the, the first kind of step in a webinar should be the pattern interrupt. There's several others that we'll talk about during the actual webinar on webinars, but the, uh, the other two are, there's two stories that get told in almost every webinar out there that are sales presentations. And the first story you could call like the, um, it's the almost like a rags to riches or like a nightmare story. It's you, it's generally told where the person tells where they were at their lowest point. So you'll hear that. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story where I, I had zero dollars in the bank, or I overdrafted and maybe had negative twenty eight dollars in the bank, and and then I discovered this amazing and unique solution, and my life changed forever. 
and so I, uh, you know, I invested in this, uh, in these coaches and I invested, you know, a good $50,000 to put together the system that I've, uh, that I founded and created. And now in the course of, uh, three hours, I'm now making seven figures a minute. And it's, uh, it's really, How did it's, you really do that? it's really changed my life. It's been, it's been incredible. <laughs> no, but, but the, but the idea is like, yeah, they get into these dark, stories that they you know they had zero dollars in the bank i was and they'll, they'll use this one a lot as like i was just like you um i felt stuck <laughs> i was just like i was just like you i felt stuck in my business i felt like there was no way out i felt like the world was working against me but then i discovered this amazing solution and this and so the the difference uh, the reason that most people don't succeed is because they're missing a b and c but when you have a system when you have this system, you see A, B, and C, then you're going to get the results that I got. And it that's was, why so, I decided to invent the magic stick. The magic stick. And as soon as I did, everything changed. And folks, let me tell you, uh, wouldn't you like to have your own magic stick? But here's the thing. Your magic stick doesn't, uh, doesn't just appear. You have, to, you have to work for a magic stick. But lucky for you, I have a bunch of magic sticks here. And uh, normally, this magic stick is a million six. That's how much this magic stick costs. But since you're on my webinar today, you get two of them, five bucks. And I just wanted to share my experience with the magic stick because I'm a, I'm a magic stick client. And uh, I used to be homeless um, and living on the, on the streets. I, I had a tent under the bridge. And I, I discovered the magic stick. And you know, within, within three months of Andra showing me how to use the magic stick, I now own a mansion in Malibu. <laughs> Thanks, Magic Stick. <laughs> and there, ladies and gentlemen, all of our seven listeners is that sums up. This is like know, I mean, I, this is not done very well, but I mean, you're getting the this thing is the, devolving fast. This is devolving yeah, fast, but the the main point is that you're there's a very there's a very specific formula that's used over and over in these things, and I'm kind of making light of it. It's actually very powerful when done in a serious fashion. Um. But it, and and again, the other thing that I just did there was a, a, like a testimonial story. So in the middle of a webinar, you'll often have uh, people weave in testimonial stories, like uh, like how Magic Sticks saved them. So when you, if you're watching a presentation in the middle of a slide, they're like, "Oh, let me tell you about the story of this client that had this this problem, and they went through my program and had this result." Those are weaved in testimonials, which are all building towards social proof um, and helping to develop prestige around the product and, and service offering. So they're all they're all uh, very effective triggers, and uh, and if if used for good, they can be uh, a positive influence on society, <laughs> like most things. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, stay tuned, folks, because we are going to have this. And and uh, currently, I am looking at you know we we are going to get our website together, so this stuff will be up here. But uh, in the meantime, keep tuning in. We're going to have some uh, interesting new geek news for you. We're going to have some interesting guests. We're going to have some free webinars for everybody uh, and resources, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, at the very minimum, you know, it's a nice way for us to connect with people. Please keep listening. And we are so grateful to all of our seven listeners. So... From the Netherlands, this is Andro Sturgeon. And from Camarillo, California, Justin Womack. Stay classy. We're the Marketing Geeks. That's right. Good night, everybody.
Unless you're listening to this in the morning, then good morning. Good morning, good evening, and good night.